Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hello, welcome to this week's IGN UK podcast. Chris Tilley is here, Alex Simmons is here, Daniel Krupper is here, Stuart Hello. Reed is here, that's me, I'm talking about myself. What's everybody been up to this week? Oh, blimey. Ooh. That's Ooh. going back, isn't it? Exciting times. This week, It was Ooh. a bank holiday, wasn't it? Short week this week then, that's good. <laughs> I didn't do anything good of interest to our listeners. <laughs> but what about interest to... I've never stopped you before. Oh, I was at Crystal Palace Liverpool, oh. one of the greatest games of all time. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to down with 10 minutes ago? We snatched the title away from Liverpool by scoring, scoring three goals the in the last 10 minutes. How do you feel about that? Weird, because I wanted Liverpool to win the title yeah. over Man City. But it was a very exciting game. But we're not here to talk about football. No, if you want that, go to the Football Ramble podcast. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I expect the show. Woof. Is that a thing? That's what they do? No. Okay. Anyway, Alex, what have you been up to? Wow. It's going to be one of those podcasts, is it? Shall I just leave now? <laughs> Alex has got to be out of here in 40 minutes uh, Me too. 14 minutes actually oh because he after that <laughs> just, <laughs> can't be doing it uh, I've played some Project Morpheus as of you yes we have so Project Morpheus is the VR headset for PlayStation and uh, obviously it was revealed at GDC um, a couple of months ago and then we got the chance to play it so we played Eve Valkyrie yes we did like space shooter Eve Valkyrie Valkyrie Eve Valkyrie oh Eve Valkyrie right yep Valkyrie. Uh, I thought it was some sort of northern game. Eve Valkyrie. It is made in Newcastle, by the way. Is it? Yeah. Eve. There you go. I, I was trying to do a northern accent, but don't have to. <laughs> it's also very difficult to. It's difficult to say Eve with a Newcastle accent, isn't it? Eve. 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 I don't know. Project. So uh, start off racist. Like quite uh, an interesting concept. It's basically a flight sim. This is Eve specifically. Uh, it's flight sim, so obviously you're able to track your enemies by moving your head anyway. So uh, it's been a long time since I played a flight game, and it's really, really good. So you still um, play with a traditional controller, don't yeah, you? Yeah, you play exactly as, as you would, but you know when an uh, aeroplane or spaceship or whatever it is flies past you, you turn your head and you follow it. So a virtual reality headset makes a lot of sense when it comes to games in cockpits or driving games where you're kind mm. of sat down using the controller like you would a joystick or a flight stick or a, a steering wheel. from a driving game, I would say, because driving games you tend to want to watch the road ahead. Oh, that's where I've been going wrong. That's <laughs> okay. Well, Although they were saying that's the interesting point with um, a driving game, implementation of a driving game, they realise at some points they want to take you out of the car because you don't want to be in the car when it crashes and starts flipping over because it yeah. can be quite traumatic. Yeah. Brilliant. So it'll switch to a third person like action cam at that moment. Uh, we also played a demo which I think was called Castle uh, and that so that was uh, integrated with the move. So the two move sticks were basically your hands. So if you look down at them, you could see all your hands. And if you press the triggers, triggers the, yeah. it's really you, cool. You'd reach down and pick up a sword by gripping it, and then you could swing the swords around, and then you'd have a dummy to fight, and then fire off crossbows. But, but it was really good. Like the one to one was great. Like yeah. I was wielding swords like a badass. They actually found a use for the move. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think they were like bingo. Well, I think that's. I think Project Morpheus was developed just to get rid of the stockpile of moves that <laughs> we need something, guys. <laughs> we're, we're all in here, um, and they're using this phrase "virtual reality environment." which move is a part of this environment mm. right 
But probably the best one was uh, a demo called The Deep, which is you had the least to do in it. Yeah, you don't do a lot in it. Yeah. Um, I mean, we did talk about that in a previous podcast where virtual reality stuff is more about experiences mm. rather than like full-on games at this moment. Who knows further down the line? But anyway, you're a diver, you're in a dive cage and you go down deep underwater and, and then a shark attacks. But it's like, because it's happening literally right in front of your eyes, when it comes towards you, you do physically step back and it's, you know... It's and it's like a, circling you in this cage. So it's a really good like gaming an experience to get you used to using a virtual reality headset because this shark is circling you so you're like looking over your shoulder and like using the head movement which is a new gesture to learn in virtual reality so it's basically teaching you how to use head movements to your advantage and you're following it around the cage and it's really eerie when it starts coming at you it's what I think virtual reality does very well and they said this when we were there the day of the developers is like they realise it does sense of scale better than Mm. any other medium like it might not ultimately be the best thing for um, shooting games or action games or platforming games but if you need to convey a sense of scale to people, like something that's towering above you, like a dragon, or, or the you're Slender going, Man, or you're or, going or deep Peter underwater, yeah. or Peter Same Crouch, thing. or you're going deep underwater, or if you did a really cool game where you change change size, if you did like a Honey I Shrunk the Kids game, yeah, <sighs> imagine that. That's piqued your interest, isn't it? Yeah, they should, they should reboot that movie. Anyway, so anyway, it's I think it's really really interesting. <laughs> Don't tech. Blow uh, we've got a video of me playing the deep uh, <laughs> on the site. smiling. But you, unfortunately, <laughs> you do look an absolute idiot with the headset. There's like no getting away from that. Apparently, right, the, the, the guy that was demoing it, because obviously I couldn't see what was going on. Apparently, I was staring right in his face for quite a long time. Because I didn't know he was there. He's very aggressive, Alex. <laughs> so we had uh, um, Oculus Rift in the office a few weeks back. Yeah. Is it a, a very similar kind of thing? Conceptually, Yes. Uh, but this is obviously Morpheus is uh, HD, whereas mm. the Oculus we saw isn't. Although there is obviously the version two of Oculus. And this is very much kind of part of the whole PlayStation ecosystem. So mm. easy to use. You know, it's going to be really integrated. And I thought it was comfortable. Obviously, both yeah. are prototypes at the moment. But the guy was telling me that the Japanese basically it's like developing a piece of universal clothing where it's actually really difficult to do because different cultures like have different attitudes towards wearing things on your face and head so the Japanese don't like pressure on their cheekbones for instance mm-hmm. where Oculus all the weight and processing power is in the headset so it weighs down on your face mm-hmm. so it's real stipulation from the Japanese market that the Morpheus distributed the weight like a hat so it has this kind of halo that goes around your head. Much more comfortable. Hmm. Like you put it on, you kind of forget that you're wearing it. Apart from you've got a massive blue flashing headset on your head, which you don't forget about. And the other cool thing about it is, obviously, Daniel and I both glasses wearers. You can wear it with glasses. Oh, that's good. Yeah. yeah. So you, you kind of adjust it, and it comes out, and then you pull it in and near it. And it, it feels really, obviously, it was only five-minute sessions, but it feels comfortable. Because my eyesight's so junky, I can't see a thing with so that. So that's why it's bad going to like yeah. cinema for 3D. Brilliant. So this is why when, when Oculus Rift came in, you had to take your glasses off. I couldn't actually see very clearly. It yeah. was all a bit blurry. So. To be fair, it was blurry anyway. Oh, was it? It was like standard okay. definition. I felt like polishing my eyes, but you know, it didn't make a difference. <laughs> so so uh, is this is this the, the thing that's finally going to bring VR into the home? I don't know. The, gu- you know. the guys had loads of interesting stuff to say. Like, there's been so, several false dawns before with VR. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting now is a lot of the technology required to launch VR successfully has been done in adjacent fields like mobile phones have really pioneered really high res small displays mm. so you need that for a VR headset it's fine 
all the money in R&D have been, has been done in another industry. Yeah. So it's almost like VR headsets now are drawing on the collective research of all these other things. So it could be, but it's still going to be still going to be the price of a console, I reckon. I think that's yeah, that's going to mm. be the drawback is the actual price headset, which we don't know right now. But they're doing interesting stuff. Yeah. And what's do we have an idea when it's going to come to market? I think they'll talk more about that E3. Cool. Something to look forward to then. Yep. So that's what we've been up to this week. What's the rest of the universe been up to this week? News. So uh, after much speculation, Call of Duty Advanced. Uh, what was it? Advanced Wars? It's not called that, is Adva- it? Advanced, Advanced Warfare. Warfare. Of course. Advanced Wars. Yeah. I wish it was Advanced Wars. Anyway, uh, has finally been revealed. And it's uh, the new Call of Duty developed by Sledgehammer Games. And it takes a, the well-known franchise into the near future. So obviously... Um, it's about 50 years hence, or 30, yeah. 40 years hence. Yeah, so if you look at kind of what it is, obviously the game itself is going to be Call of Duty through and through, but the tech in there is much more advanced, so you get things like exoskeletons. Mm. Uh, so not like massive mech suits, but stuff that enhances... It, you, you become the ultimate kind of soldier, I guess, so you can do like enormous jumps and punch yeah. through walls and shit like that, which is pretty cool. Uh, other stuff that's exciting is you can uh, cloaking devices, but they're kind of fairly de rigueur these days in most shooters. Mm-hmm. Um, drones, bots, uh, little kind of sucker things on your hands that allow you to climb walls. Like Spider-Man. Like, so it made for an amazing trailer. Mm. I still want to see what the game is going to be like. Because, G- uh, not GTA, Call of Duty is renowned for making great trailers. But when it actually comes to playing the games themselves but it's a lot of new stuff and you introduce all that new stuff into a multiplayer or a single player like could change the game quite significantly in a lot of ways yeah like vehicles in multiplayer don't have that in Call of Duty because the thing is um, Black Ops introduced a lot of new stuff with like branching storylines and um, you know the kind of weird uh, tactical levels Um, but that to me took it too far away from the core Call of Duty experience. So it's a fine balance of trying mm. to introduce something new but keep making it feel like a Call and of Duty. And it's game. got Kevin Spacey. It does have Kevin Spacey in it. He looks well considering it's set 50 years in the future. He doesn't look a day older. No. He looked about that age for about 10 years now. He has, though. hasn't, yeah. yeah. But, you know, it looks a good performance in the game. Obviously, it raises it above the kind of standard. It does feel very much there. like his House of Cards performance. It does. Right. Still got those cold, dead eyes. But with Kevin Spacey, it's what you'd expect, isn't it, really? <laughs> Just like the deep. Yeah. <laughs> like a doll's eyes. Yeah. Are you excited for Advanced Warfare? The game, not the actual, not, you know, the, the future never yeah. yeah. All right for you lot. I'll, I'm going to be there in the trenches. That's uh, true, we're too old. <laughs> no, I've got I'm going to be feet. right alongside of you got in a big feet, mech sorry. suit, <laughs> punching the shit out of people. <laughs> uh, I'll be a conscientious objector, of course. Um... Uh, Chris is going to be an unconscious objector. <laughs> She's going to sleep through it. <laughs> war, war, war. <laughs> uh, probably more excited than other years because because one new engines it'll look much nicer than previous games because I feel like a lot of those games started to look yep. just very similar in superficial ways. And I think all the tech stuff, like it will change the game, yeah, for better it's or for worse. In there. But surely, because so there will be a hover bike level, I have no doubt. But that would just be like a level where you're on a in a yeah, jeep, be, yeah. Yeah. But rather than in the or a speeder level in Star Wars. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. Is Call of Duty Impress me. Is it is Call of Duty done, do you think? Are they are they kind of grasping at straws now? I know it's still a ridiculously popular well, franchise, but has it has it plateaued? It's probably it might have peaked, like sales figures indicated that it has reached some kind of apex and yeah. it's of which it's dipping off, but 
it will hover around that for some time because the fan base is so big. But something else will come along, yeah. and the moment it starts, make you know, losing money or not making as much money as something else does for Activision, you know, resources would be reallocated. Yeah, yeah. Because you're a, you, you never play multiplayer with Call of Duty, do you? You only ever really. play a single player campaign. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Mm. Same here. What about you, Dan? Um, single player blaster it. Yeah. But that's but, obviously that trailer is all. Oh, it hints at some of the multiplayer stuff. So they had like some portable cover, which looks like this kind of thing that you just throw in the ground, pull it across, it's a bit like and cor- bit of corrugated it iron, and suddenly it becomes like rigid, and you can hide behind okay. it. Okay, so it looks like a roll-out it's, tent or something. You pull it out. You pull it out. It gets rigid, and you hide behind it. Not quite, happens quite often to me. Not as often anymore. What game was it that had like a force field kind of thing where you threw it and it did that? Every so, game ever. I was going to say loads of games. Yeah, Halo. Wanted to see. It must have been Halo, probably. Speedball. Did it? I don't think no. it did. No, sorry, I was wrong. <laughs> Speedball 2, you're thinking of it. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. in Speedball 2 either. But anyway. Uh, hey, do you remember the uh, NES? The Nintendo yes. Entertainment System. That's I right, yes. Did you? Mm-hmm. Does it still work, Chris? I don't know. Have you still got any cartridges? Probably. 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 Well, well here's good, good, for you. good news. <laughs> oh. if, if it doesn't work anymore, Chris, you yep. can buy a new one. There's a company called Analog Interactive, and they're bringing a brand new uh, Nintendo Entertainment System to market. And I've got a few pictures of it here. Why? It's, it's, it's made... Don't ask me Why? that. I, I don't know. It's made from a solid piece of aluminium, mil, machined aluminium. Okay. And it uses the original microchips that were found in the original NES. So it doesn't the, just uh, play NES games, does it? It plays Super NES, NES games as well. Famicom. Yeah, yeah, Famicom games Famicom as well. Snares. Plus you can get Snares. an HDMI output for it, so you can plug it into your modern telly. Okay. But it gets a like unique that. signal from the box, doesn't it, Stu? A unique, does it? Yeah, but surely... Um, like, it, gets a, it gets a signal from it that you couldn't even get all the original Nintendo Entertainment System. Yeah. So let's just put this into context. So this is a console based on uh, technology that's, what, 15, 20 years old? Yeah. So surely it's, what, 20 quid? No, no it's really it's, expensive. It's, it's, like, it's what the thing is. I don't know enough dollars about, or something ridiculous. Like RGB something. So that's why it's expensive. There's a certain yeah. thing that I don't know enough about technical. Is it there, Steve? It is there. Yeah, yeah, it's RGB. But I think the original Nintendos could be hacked to output RGB as well. I don't with, with a soldering iron. Not without no, spending a lot of money on equipment. I, to be honest, it's like GameCube was the first Nintendo console that started to do it properly. Mm. I'm not sure about NES and... You know, that's really old. You see, you're it? being a bit flippant about this, Stuart, I am but being do you not find a bit this. of an affinity with this? No. Like you're, well, you're a vinyl no. fan. Yeah. So would you not invest in a decent setup to play old records? So why are you being so no, but also it's, not, it's also investing in a setup to play new records because vinyl is still being pressed. Yeah, but okay, but and somebody like Beck, for instance, the, the album he brought out recently. So you, Morning, is, hang on, the, the, the Beck album, Morning Phase, which yeah. was brought out recently, they actually mastered it differently for vinyl to, to sound better on okay. vinyl. These so cartridges want, aren't mastered to be better in this. Yeah, but, you, system. but but, but you only but you do well, play old records on your vinyl But wouldn't it look better if you just had an emulator? Not necessarily, because purists would say you have to experience it in its original form and want to play the original version of it. Well, I, maybe I, I've, it just doesn't really appeal to me. No, I'm not, saying, it, I'm not saying that, def, that directly, but the things. principle behind it, I, I thought it would. No, because not, I do like certain old things, but not all old things. There was a bloke, I went to this fair at the weekend, this Mayfair in Walthamstow, and there was a hipster there, absolute tosser. And I swear to God, he took out a snuff box and was doing snuff. Yeah, I know. I mean, that's I know somebody does that. <laughs> utterly preposterous thing to do. And I kind of think, you know, it's 
I like vinyl because it's got a warmth that but people, digital sound doesn't have. But this, this is people gonna, like you know, playing original NES games because they've got scan lines and have a warmth that a digital emulation or a re-release won't have. That's okay then. They can go ahead and have it if they want to. Cool. I'm just saying there's an equivalence there between what you're saying and what they'll be trying to. Achieve. I don't know because you can emulate scan lines <laughs> as well. God's sake! But that's what that does. So it's it's not actually doing it properly. It's emulating it. No, it's but that's it's like doing, that's like ret- getting a record player that that adds clicks and pops. I don't know. I feel like I'm having an argument with someone who hasn't actually read the story either. I have read the story. <laughs> I have read the story. It's about somebody oh. bringing out a Nintendo Entertainment System 15 years after the fact. Okay. But it's doing it? something that the original one didn't. Outputting to HDMI. Yes. But, right. but no. giving you a pure RGB signal, which you, you wouldn't be able to do. Okay. Good. Is there any suggestion <laughs> that new games might be made? I think no. there's a... The, no. Well, I think there's a kind of there's a, a like a homebrew community for a lot of these old consoles, aren't there? I know the. Um, but it's not going to work on this because this runs carts. Yeah, but s- some carts are still manufactured. You know the Vectrex, right? That amazing thing with the built-in yeah, monitor yeah, yeah, that was yeah, released yeah. years and yeah. years ago. There is a homebrew system out there. There's people that make these games and they produce like twenty carts, which you can go on eBay and purchase and stuff like that. So maybe, wow. maybe there are people out there doing the same thing for this. I just don't know. This but is, there you go. If you've got, but it is the same price as a quid. PS4, PS4 or Xbox Three, yeah. Xbox One. Sorry, yeah. I'm not but it's sure. nice looking. I mean, it is you know hewn from a solid piece of aluminium, which is nice. And you can play Duck Hunt on it. Duck Hunt. There you go. <laughs> That's gonna become our beyond. I think <laughs> maybe it? we should open every podcast with Duck Hunt. <laughs> Let's not. Let's not do Next that. Next piece then. of news. Let's never do that. So. <laughs> You're building well, up we've a gone, story. We've gone out of order. Um, so uh, Nintendo reported the financials like a lot of video game companies did this week because it's the end of the quarter. Um, it said that the lifetime sales of the Wii U sit at 6.17 million, which is under its estimate. Quite a lot under its estimate of 9 million. Um, so just 2.7 million Wii U consoles were sold in the last year. This has resulted in an operating loss of $457 million and a net loss of $22.8 million. That's a lot of money. Mm. It's a lot of money to be losing. Yeah. It's a lot less than other companies lose and operate still at. Who? Um, Sony used to operate a huge loss year on year. Mm. Yeah, that's a big loss. It is a big loss. The thing is, Sony are still operating at a loss, aren't they? Yeah. No PlayStation is making a profit, but all the other stuff. Not so. Did they release any kind of statement or anything with the, with those figures coming out? Yeah, um, they just said bollocks. <laughs> Dull. <laughs> it says that it hopes to return to the black with an operating profit of 394 million next year, and it's got more moderate um, predictions for the coming year. 3.6 million Wii U consoles. <laughs> Every year, keeps 12 million for the moderate what? predictions. Every year, it keeps on downsizing its target for Wii U. Well, fair enough to them. They've not come out and been hubristic and gone, we'll still do it. I know that. No. And they've, they have taken steps. They've already had that conference call where they've said their new strategy and they've started to implement that. Already happening with more license agreements, faster, mobile apps. I think. But how fast can you get stuff up and running in production like toys and all this sort of stuff? I know, I get that. But uh, animated series will take X amount of months to make. But they should have been thinking about this two years ago yeah rather than thinking pinning everything on the Wii U well you know the, the big thing is it, it, it does that sound the death knell for the Wii U are we looking at a console that whose days are now numbered well we've been saying that for a long time yeah but you know arguably it's getting its best games this year with Mario Kart Smash Brothers and, there'll oh, be a, and Zelda will be announced it but it's still sort of third less than the GameCube right I, I which was considered a, a flop 
Yeah, but um, I'm trying to think what launched on GameCube. Uh, launched with Mario Sunshine, I believe. Mm. And uh, Zelda was pretty close behind. So I just, for a console, for a Nintendo console to launch with a Mario game. Um, and I know the Wii U has had um, Mario games, but not quite a Mario Galaxy equivalent, I don't until, think. Well, until the end of last year. Yeah. Mario World. Mm. 3D World. I still don't. In terms of the critical acclaim, I think it yeah. garnered. Yeah. It's just not, I still don't see it as a Mario Galaxy, personally. It's, yeah, you're right. It's probably derivative of an experience that was already around, out there, so it didn't seem as shiny yeah. or as it's, it's appealing. Like Mario Galaxy, and same with Mario uh, 64, showcased that console. Yeah. Whereas I think um, 3D World is just a good Mario game. I think they're, they're putting out a lot of offers. That, for instance, if you pre-order and you buy Mario Kart 8, you get another great Wii U game for free. Right. of your choice from like a choice of eight or something so I think they're making it as appealing as they can without like cutting their noses off like because yeah. yep. um, I guess the one thing they don't really want to do is to drop the price dramatically because then that's going to make people think this is yeah this is well I think they've got to get their big games out first so Smash Brothers then Mario Kart and if it still doesn't sell then they need to figure out what to do do you think they might actually bring out a, a version of the console without that huge controller no because it would, that, I well, guess that would hamstring just a it. Wii, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah. With HD graphics. Yeah, but st- still, everything's got HD graphics these yeah. days. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. What are they going to do? What are they going to do? Well, they'll they'll do what they always do. They'll continue to innovate and create, and then next time they might hit the mark. You know, a couple of failures don't make a bad company. I think they probably need a new CEO. I think they need. You know, it was when everything seemed okay. Mm. So uh, Walter's kind of appearances in directs with a banana, a bunch of bananas and a leather jacket yeah, seems yeah. quite charming and amusing. But yeah. then you're actually like, why is he, you know, you need maybe someone who doesn't care about being in front of camera yeah. and is a hard yeah. bastard yeah. like Yamauchi was yeah. really running the company yeah. and being a bit more ruthless in the boardroom rather than parading in yeah. Nintendo directs doing like little mm. sketches. Well, that's, you know, I still think that should be Miyamoto's job personally. Yeah. He's the kind of the... The fun figure. Well, he's the creative, like, genius, or, as it yeah. were, at yeah. Nintendo. But you need, you know, in the great old days... Could you like Steve Jobs when he was alive? Walking onto an Apple keynote and being a little bit kind of like a watter wearing a big, I don't know, apple on his head or something. <laughs> no, we've never... <laughs> that would have been good. But uh, take a bite out of this. Um, but... What you know, Nintendo used to have teams that compete against each other to create new products, and it feels like they still do that on the games front, but not so much on the hardware front. Mm. But it feels like really advanced technology, even if it is a bit pricey, people still want to buy it now. Whereas Nintendo's trick of old was to release something that was a bit more basic, and then get it out to everyone at an affordable price. But it feels like more people now just want to buy the seven hundred pound iPhone. Yeah. They don't want the cheaper version. Whereas the Game Boy succeeded, even though its competitors brought out ones with colour screens mm. because it was affordable and it was mass market. But also had the franchises that you wanted to play. Yeah. So, And that's the other thing. I know that they're not talking about having their f- franchises on smartphones or other things yet, but if that happens down the line, then what is the point of owning a Nintendo the, console? If you mm, they're going to yeah. come after your kids. Yeah. That's what they're going to do. But that was the, the pressure in the 90s that kids, all they did was watch Nintendo cartoons in the early 90s. They read Nintendo Power because mm. it was given away free initially. They became obsessed with Nintendo. So when it came to like buy a games console, which one do you want? The Mario console. Mm. Like kid pressure. Yeah. Now everyone was like Crash Bandicoot. Everyone's playing Minecraft now. They don't care about it. That's true. Yeah. Are they they're platform agnostic? Yeah. I don't think kids in the 90s only watched 
Nintendo cartoons. Not only, but in the early 90s, there was this craze oh. in um, America, particularly in the early 90s. Like, in the early 90s, Nintendo products counted for uh, 22% of everything Toys R Us sold, which is mental. Mm. I, w- I was just going to do a fun link. Oh, sorry. I think kids also <laughs> was a counterpoint. watched the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, <laughs> which launched in 1993. I had a couple of films out as well. I've mm-hmm. never seen an episode of Power Rangers. I don't think I have either. Okay, oh. we're, we're, a little, we're a little bit old for it, though, aren't yeah. we? I used yeah. to watch it every Sunday morning af- ah. after um, Lost in Space with my dad while I had um, celery soup. Celery soup. Oh. I used to celery soup so on Sundays. Sundays. I used to come back from church. Fond memories of the Mighty Morphin Power Terrible Rangers. childhood. Especially the Pink Ranger. <laughs> celery soup. I've never heard of celery, celery soup. Celery soup's brilliant. Is it? Yeah, it's really good. Did you have a favourite Power Ranger? Oh, uh, yes. Um, Is it Lala? I quite like the red Power Ranger, yeah. but then I also like the green Power Ranger. Have they not got names? I can't remember them. Would okay. you like the Power Rangers young. to come back <laughs> and rescue um, you? Yeah. Because we are getting a reboot, people. Uh, Lionsgate have just done a deal with Saban, the owners of uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, to re-envision them for a new uh, series of films to launch a franchise, effectively. Um the Lionsgate chief said the Power Ranger stories and characters have been embraced by generations of audience for more than 20 years and today they are more powerful than ever. I don't know if that's true. I'm not sure if that's true, <laughs> but okay. But yeah, so what are your thoughts? Is, uh, I think we they passed us by. Yeah. Um, it's still running on TV, isn't it? There's still it's, new it's episodes still all in being Japan made. and stuff. Is there uh, new episodes? I think yeah, there's still, there's still new, new like spin-offs and all that sort okay. of stuff. Yeah. I think Saturday and um, Sunday mornings after Milkshake on Channel 5, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. So you had celery soup, you have Milkshake. Um... I even convinced my dad when I was a kid to take me to see the film, which which was awful. We both came out and going, that was terrible. Yeah, yeah. Even I thought it was terrible. Um, I can't remember all that much about it, but when you're little, it was super cool. Like, yeah. it was basically that story. Oh, God. I'm gonna, when it, it's about high school kids who can transform into superheroes, essentially. And they have all these cool gadgets. And when I was little, actually, I wrote a letter to our local police department <laughs> saying, if you provide me with the... Re- necessary resources and equipment I will protect Blackburn as a Power Ranger you actually and did I that. actually wrote and that they oh and they did. didn't I said I basically in my naivety like seven years old all I require is a mini motorcycle <laughs> 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 and and a few um, fellow Power Rangers and I'll do a bang up job so well, I, I would love to see. Did you get a reply? I would have been killed <laughs> did you get a reply? <laughs> no they, they didn't even no. reply no. miserable bastards well, I was at a film do last night talking to some journalists and, and PRs, and we were having a conversation about this that we actually did in the States in our LA office. So I think a lot of people are having this conversation. Could this be the next Transformers? Because I'm guessing that's what they're hoping. Yeah, so they do have these um, robots that they can enter into and control, and then they all combine into like a big mech, which was always the final third sure. of every oh. episode. Um, but there's, a, there's kind of a retro thing there, isn't there? There's a nostalgia for it for... People a bit younger than mm. us, but people who are having kids now and who will take their kids along, and mm. it could be a massive money spinner for them and if this, they can get it right. And they're also using as touch points Hunger Games, Twilight franchise, and something else. Yeah, uh, Divergent. So pitching it at a teen audience because yeah. mm. so it's, it's going to be like love stories and well, yeah, stuff like it's that. Five, yeah, usually yeah. five Power Rangers, sometimes yeah. more, and there's a mixture of boys and girls. Mm. So seems prime for that sort of thing. Mm. Have we got any Power Rangers fans out there? Uh, Do you mean out there? Out there, yeah. (laughs) We could ask them. Yeah, let's ask them. Go on then. What do you think about Power Rangers movie? And what do you want from a reboot? 
Because yeah. I thought Power Rangers was all about just punching people in the face. I think everything <laughs> about everything in life, to be honest. <laughs> uh, anyway, let's know. Uh, ID, uh, IGN <laughs> underscore UK <laughs> feedback at IGN.com. From the best podcast of the way. Yeah, somebody actually wrote in saying last week's was the best podcast ever. <laughs> no, in two years. They've been listening to it for two years and it was the funniest one they'd listened to. In two years. Yeah. All right. It's nice to see we've got it back on the normal level this week. Yes. <laughs> I can't help it. I can't speak today. So then, let's talk about reboots. Uh, yeah. Do you think they're, they're necessary in this day and age? Does it show a dearth of ideas? I mean, you know, what do you think? Are you a fan of reboots in general? Well, just going on the site today, looking at the news that was put up overnight, uh, Power Rangers reboot, Private Benjamin reboot. No. Oh, yeah. that's the one I've been wanting. What about Overboard? <laughs> and a Flintstones reboot. Oh, Christ. What? Yeah, Will Ferrell, Adam McKay doing an animated Flintstones. But animated? That could, that, yeah, that could oh, okay. work. Okay. That could okay. work. Uh, but it just seems like a day doesn't go by when there's not a reboot especially, a word that didn't exist 10 years ago especially as well. in Hollywood mm. like, yeah. you don't see it quite so much in video games sure but yeah just it just seems like it's like well there is some love for that um, yep. name or franchise is it let's do it again. safe bet yeah. is it a new thing though like aren't ideas always recycled like as Paul Simon said like great songs aren't written they're rewritten like yeah. Shakespeare hardly had an original idea in his oh, career it's the yeah. way that he executed sure. it just his treatment of those classic tales it seems to be more literal now though yeah because I, I think you know, back in the 80s when we were growing up watching movies, we, I guess it was the same stories being told, but people were trying out different things. Every week there'd be a different film. It wasn't a sequel So it's the execution week. that's less... Police, has less innovation Police Academy would come out with a film every year, but there weren't that many... <laughs> they got really you know, bad. You know, Jones every three years or whatever for, for, yeah. a, for a time, but it, it wasn't a constant every well, summer. What is the most sequeled film? Oh, um, Friday the 13th? Or like do, you mean, do you mean a continuous, like, canonical... Because, yeah, like, like, the most, like, the most well, portrayed really character is Sherlock Holmes on film. Yeah. Yeah. Carry oh, On, maybe. Carry Sh- On, I think, is the yeah. right longest running. But it's not like Police Academy, where it literally went up to Police Academy 7, wasn't it? I think it was the last one they did. Uh, did they go higher than that? It might have been a straight-to-video one, but Mission to Moscow, I think, was the last... Right. That, the last big... Is that 7? <laughs> then you've got all the American Pie spin-offs as well. Ending up with the ones that didn't start any of the people, yeah, apart from yeah. what's he called, Eugene Thingy, Bandcamp Levy, Eugene Levy, yeah, bless him, just desperately trying to pay his so mortgage by being in another one of those films. It's, it's a yeah. bit depressing. It's a direct reboot. So that's what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So there's yeah. an argument to be made that the worst is when the film's good and then three years later there's a reboot. Yeah. So that is driven by there's still financial interest in that character yeah. that set up so let's just do another one regardless of how good that was instead that, of going on new I uh, Batman I guess well so. Spider-Man as well Spider-Man's yeah. classic yeah, 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 example yeah. Fantastic Four I wasn't a huge fan but people there's a lot, lot of love for that film yeah I liked you them liked it, I, li- you? I liked yeah. yeah yeah I liked both of them um, but there's more arguments to be made that maybe you should reboot things that didn't do so well first time round difficult isn't it because then they, they are slightly tainted I suppose but I mean look at The Incredible Hulk two a, a movie and then kind of a semi-reboot would you say with the second film yeah it's, yeah. it's treated like that I think yeah. there's no links and stuff and neither of those really caught fire did they yeah. I'm trying to think I mean look at Transformers as well we've got the fourth film now but is that would you treat that as a reboot because it's it doesn't have s- no but it's, it can't be in a it's, sense it's a relaunch it's for, in the same universe isn't it, it? Yeah. or a soft reboot as sometimes they call it it's like still part of the continuity but it's like oh we need to reset this so it's kind of which we don't did. we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater because yeah. we don't want to set up all this stuff again but yeah 
Well, we'll see. And some with Transformers, but I wish they by in doing that they brought in a new director. Yeah. Because it look the trailers, it looks exactly the same, doesn't it? But yeah. with Mark Wahlberg rather than Shia LaBeouf running I, around. Actually, they've been writing a. Th- piece on the history of the Godzilla films and they've done it several times that's like up to 30 old films now or something yeah. ridiculous um, or late 20s and they've had different se- like sequences where there's had a versus sequence and the original sequence now the millennium sequence mm. so they kind of reboot it all the time yeah but I mean if they're a force for good what would you like to see rebooted what, what positives would we like to see happen in mm. this world uh, I know you had some, Alex. I've got you? some. Yeah, it's the game that I go on about all the time. But Dungeon Master is the game that got me into doing what I'm doing right now. But uh, so I want it to be. It's really hard because I want it to be rebooted. I want it to be look amazing. But it will probably be a bit like Skyrim, which I don't particularly like. Right. Um, because I, the thing I loved about it then it was something a brand new experience. Uh, it was like a real time uh, role playing game. And uh, a lot of it was turn-based back then, so I don't know. I don't know if it, if it would be possible to satisfy me. Would it be more like Dark Souls? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I yeah, see. much kind of darker um, environment, and you know, so it, it was, inch, inching your way ahead. Like, you, you got right the you know, I played that game for hours and hours and hours. You got right to the end, and you know, it was hard. It was a really hard game, and then suddenly you were faced with the dragon, which I guess is very much like Dark Souls. You're just like, I've done everything you've thrown at me, and then the last challenge is like, Jesus, that's impossible. And I yeah. did it, but yeah. the battle lasted three hours or something ridiculous mm-hmm. like that. So there's that, but then also Advance Wars, I'd love to be rebooted, but on iOS, I think. You yeah. were talking about Nintendo and its franchises. That, to me, is a perfect iOS game, so break it out. They've done nothing with that franchise for ages, and it's one of their better ones, I think. What about movies, Chris? Anything you could think of? Well, I was thinking, it was maybe it's more, I'm getting confused now, maybe it's more a remake than a reboot. But a film that I really loved when I was a kid, and I don't understand why it wasn't a bigger hit, was The Monster Squad. Oh, yes. Um, it came out a year after The Goonies. Mm. And if that had had Spielberg's backing and the film was exactly the same, I think that would have been the one that people have all this nostalgia for. Because yeah. the kids aren't quite as bratty. And the story's much more interesting. It's a bunch of kids fighting uh, Dracula, Wolfman, Mummy. Yeah. So I'd love to see that, either a sequel in present day like they're going to do with Goonies yep. or even or even a remake with with a, with a massive budget yep. watching all those universal monsters you know a bunch of kids taking them on I think that would be fun I'd like to see a really nasty um, Resident Evil movie a really scary one I'd like to see a haunted ha- proper proper haunted house one yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, like the original haunting something like that yeah well mm. set in one location and but, I th- but again I think it's uh, it's uh, Mixed blessing doing something so slavish to the original. Um, I think I was thinking about what I'd like to be remade. And you think about old films and why would you remake them now? Why? Because certain practical effects are better than really old movies. So I think some like old disaster movies like Towering Inferno, mm. like set in one location, yeah. could be amazing yeah. today. Like you look at some of the throwaway effects that Michael Bay used in the end reel. If that amazing effect was the premise for an entire movie that'd be pretty cool that was their thinking with the Poseidon I know, yeah no, I, that was in my mind yeah. Yeah. Was like, oh. the original Poseidon adventure is great yeah yeah. the sequel was terrible June it's, uh, it's the obvious one sorry w- uh, sorry P- Poseidon sorry. adventure is Will Ferrell's favourite Christmas movie is it as he told me yes Christmas that's time. right yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. June is an obvious one gets yeah, badly yeah. around a lot but I think popularity um, Game of Thrones could help it a lot because it is like sci-fi Game of Thrones in mm. many ways I wish I wish Alexander Jodorowsky had done his version of Dune. There's a yeah. there's a documentary coming out about yeah, that soon, uh, isn't it? Yeah, and it's called Jodorowsky's 
June. June yeah. Some friends of mine made it, and ev- I'm, I didn't catch it. Fantastic! So everyone's saying it's as good a documentary as you can see. Look forward to that. I tell you, what I was going to talk about with regards to these reboots. What seems to have happened recently, stuff like the Robocop reboot and things like that, is they've toned them down. Mm. Stuff that was a, a, a kind of more kind of adult, more gritty film back in the eighties and nineties. They seem to have toned them down to appeal to a wider audience to get more bums on seats. And we've had some feedback about that as well, Chris. Yeah, I have from Matthew Rose, who says. Uh, being 32, I've grown up on 80s and 90s action films like Predator, Terminator, Aliens, etc. As well as cult movies such as Fight Club 7, Pulp Fiction and Robocop. I'm not one of those snobby people who are stuck in the past and wanting to accept contemporary trends like the rise of the superhero genre, as I consider some of them to be highly entertaining, if somewhat light and fluffy affairs. My only hang-up is fewer and fewer films are being made with an 18R rating, as it seems no longer financially viable for the mm. film companies to do so. Do you think this trend signals the slow death of the 18-rated films that adults like myself grew up on? You definitely do. So you see that in games as well, like the, the whole Dead Space thing with it being survival yeah. horror and slowly eking out into being more of an action game and losing its kind of core. And I think that is a shame. I wonder if that's something to do. I have no research to back this up. Is it something to do with changing demographics of cinema goers? Probably. That it's maybe younger kids going to cinemas and cinemas are enforcing age restrictions more stringently. Do they? I don't know if they do. I don't know. I would have thought in these days, mm. with the way multiplexes are run, it would be easier than ever to sneak into it. Into a, a, yeah. an well, I remember movie. getting t- like turned away a few times when I was a kid. Um, and I never like tried it that often. Mm. Um, but I wonder if it's just to go out after a bigger audience, which is yeah. a younger audience. I think it would cinemas. be a financial thing because I guess a lot of indie movies are still coming out with a with an eighteen certificate. Yeah, yeah. The studios, I don't think, are throwing the full force behind the 18 or the R-rated film yeah. because they know that it's the teenagers yeah. and the kids that are the repeat viewers. Yeah. I mean, I had quite a depressing conversation with Alex Garland uh, at Fantastic Fest last year, the year before last, uh, who he kind of wrote and kind of almost directed Dread, a film that we really loved yeah. and that got the R rating that we all wanted it to have. And it was the weekend before it opened in the States and I said, this is going to be it. This is going to make the R-rated superhero movie possible. Yeah. And he's like, no, we've seen the tracking figures and it's just not going to do well enough and it's because we gave it the R rating yeah. I made the film I wanted to make but yeah. the studio's a bit scared of it people aren't going to see it and so he said we're not going to get to do a sequel and he was really depressed about it because I don't know for mm. me that maybe that does I think that's interesting it, it just shows that, mo- that there's still a taste for that movie because it's found an audience and it's resonated and yeah. it's gained traction and a following elsewhere so it's not like tastes have changed it's the kind of the the Is way, it the way it's, it's been consumed? served up, the way it's consumed, because you know that that it strikes me that Dread has made has earned its following on on home ends. It did okay at the cinema, but home ends seems to be where it's got its following. Now maybe we're, we're starting to see more films being released almost simultaneously on pay per view uh, or download at, at the same time they're going into the cinema. Now maybe that's going to help 18 certificate movies or R-rated movies because immediately you've got a larger audience because people that just traditionally have given up going to the cinema or just don't want to go to the cinema have the chance to mm. watch that film on its opening weekend. And maybe in time when the tracking data allows people to, to use the pay-per-view and, and download figures as part of their weekend's takings, we might see things change slightly. I wonder if it's harder to make an 18-rated film now as well. Mm. I think if Goodfellas was released now, that would probably be a 15 yeah, and that was an yeah. 18 back in the day quite yeah. a few of the films we talk about here uh, as 18s I think might be 15s these days I feel like it's come down a little bit yeah. in terms it's of certainly a, a lot more acceptance what was Wolf of Wall Street 
That was an 18. Was I that an 18? Yeah. Pretty sure that, that was an 18. Yeah. It doesn't seem to be films that are violent so much that get 18 because it's films that portray drug use. Oh, um, sexual violence. Sexual, sexual violence. violence. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fair enough. Yeah. A bit like the podcast. Put <laughs> um, it, so, it you. <laughs> how can you tell it's not? So let us know what you think about reboots and let us know what film or game or TV show you would like a reboot of as well. The usual address, IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. Update. Do we not want to reference the fact that Chris isn't here anymore? No, nobody no. will know okay. this. Nobody will know <laughs> well, We told him to F you. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yeah. So, That's what he's uh, So he's FO'd. Uh, first bit of feedback is from Stephen Martin. He says, after listening to the Star Wars A Lost Hope episode, that was last week's podcast, podcast it, number 229. Yes. I'd love the next Excellent movies. Title. He said, I'd love the next movies to address the fact that there are humans living in a different galaxy a long time ago. As a kid growing up in the 80s, that always bothered me. I now know that I was completely missing the point of the movies, but wouldn't it be cool if in the movies there's a hint that origin of the human race is a mystery? Ooh. Maybe Han Solo's daughter could be an archaeologist hunting for the origin of our species. That way they could make a nod towards Indiana Jones and add fuel for a ton of fan speculation. Either that or it would... Ero- ir- I can't... I hate this word. Erode? Ir- no? That one. Irrevocably. Irrevocably. Vocably. Or it would irrevocably ruin the franchise once and for all. Well, I think it would irrevocably ruin the franchise once and for all. I think any kind of crossover with Indiana Jones is the worst idea I've ever heard. No disrespect. But he ruined, not not Lucas, but it will end up being some kind of like Crystal Skull Star Wars crossover. Oh, you don't want Which that. no one wants. You it's an interesting that. concept, like uh, yeah. a long time ago. Because they do that to just establish a vague kind of fantasy air about the Star Wars films but I wonder why it is it's a long too, time it's ago too, rather than I think it's to make it sound a little bit more kind of mystical because mm. the whole thing is is wizards and knights essentially it's not hard sci-fi it's fantasy sci-fi so they want to play up the fact that it's kind of a bit ancient in a way yeah, yeah. Um, it just wouldn't work on the big screen I think it's a nice idea but I think it actually happened I think there'd be more groans than oh yeah. that's smart maybe you could <laughs> loop Jurassic Park in there as well Dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Who's got next piece of feedback? I do. The next bit is from Dale Lees. In the last episode, a listener asked for your thoughts about True Detective. Someone mm. mentioned how wonderfully shot it was. How wonderfully shot, shot it was. <laughs> okay, right. Which got me thinking about the TV show Hannibal. The show has become one of my favourites, which along with Game of Thrones, I look forward to it each week. You haven't really touched upon Hannibal, and I would love to hear your opinions on the show. Despite the somewhat over-the-top gore, I find the cinematography superb and Mads Mikkelsen performance fantastic. Why are you speaking like that? I'm enunciating, <laughs> Alex, in a way that Mads Mikkelsen does not. Right. Um, yes. Sure, and I actually spoke about this when we were having lunch the other day. We yeah. went out for a sandwich, we talked about Hannibal. Nice. I really like it. I'm only one episode in season two, so I've only re- really seen season one. Mm-hmm. And... I think it's great. I really enjoyed it. You're early on, so I think you probably had a similar reaction to I had early on, where it's kind of hard to get into. Yeah. And Mads Mikkelsen is very hard to understand initially. I'm three episodes in, I think, possibly four, but I think it's three episodes in, and I'm just shrugging at the moment. It's not doing anything so for me. I wonder if they, they caught that in like the rushes like a few months into film going, God, we can't understand the busy word. And they took him to a side, and then he... he get. I don't know whether you're, like, you get your ear in. Right. And you get used to him speaking in that right. way. He's very, uh, he's very, <laughs> well, like Mutley or something. Sure, like, fashion, fashion, fashion. What's the guy called? Will, Will, Will Graham. Like that. What? <laughs> I haven't seen it, but that he's just doing sounds the... like ridiculous. It's just like that all the time. All the time. It's just eating stuff. 
No, it does have amazing production values, though. It does, it does. And it's not just later on, the crime scenes become incredibly grotesque. It's not just Mads Mikkelsen. I've got a problem with it. Who who plays Will Graham? Um, Dancy. What's he called? Hugh Dancy. Hugh Dancy. Yeah, I'm just. I don't like him all that much. No, he's. Obviously, it gets better when the inevitable starts happening, and you know where it's going. It doesn't. It's not. A cock tease in the way Dexter was like, oh, they'll find him out. Right. They have to progress that pretty rapidly because yeah, everyone yeah. knows who Hannibal Lecter is. You can't. Yeah. I, I find the, the Will Graham character annoying because he's he's obviously quite high on the on the autistic spectrum. He is, and yet he has no problem cracking jokes and interfacing with 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 people. It seems. No wait, no no, because it's not. It's almost the opposite of autism. He's over empathetic. Mm. That's why it makes him a very skilled crime scene investigator because he can identify in a way that normal people can't with psychopaths. He can empathise with them to a kind of um, almost psychotic degree. Right. He just doesn't that, kill people. No, he doesn't, but there's obviously that suspicion that oh. is he possibly a killer. I haven't seen it, so... It's really I good. No I think it's very good. Yeah, it's on... Um, I think it's on Sky Box... What, no, Sky Advanced? Get All Your Stuff... No. Sky, yeah, Sky, Sky, get all Sky, your stuff. Get all your stuff Jesus, I tell you, we, we, we should say, we recorded the first part of this podcast <laughs> this, morning. this morning, and it was all going fine, and then we had to wow. take a break, and now it's quarter five in the afternoon, and I can't I'm spent. I don't know, I can't, I, I don't even know what English was, is. You've um, got a beard um, now. Yeah, we're clean shaven this morning. Uh, I've got an email from James Koyoi. Oi, oi, Koyoi. I'm not sure how you pronounce it, but something like that. Who says, <laughs> Just like uh, when I got Killer Instinct for the SNES, uh, I got a version that came with a bundled soundtrack. Oh, this is about Easter eggs. Yeah, this is about Easter eggs. Okay. Remember yes. we were talking about Easter yes, eggs last week? I did. Oh, I could eat an Easter egg right now. Uh, <laughs> being super excited for the game, he immediately popped it into his CD player. Oh, he popped the CD into his little boombox. Uh, to my surprise, my not-so-state-of-the-art RCA player showed 40 tracks. So RCA, was that a make? It was in... Canada. Ontario, Canada. Right, okay. Uh, so he immediately skipped all the tracks to get to 40 and found a hidden track that was later, uh, he later found out called, was called Humiliation. I can't speak either. <laughs> this is going so well. Uh, that that meeting must have gone well with Tony. Yeah. <laughs> that soundtrack was at once one of my favourites of all time, and although Humiliation is not a great track, I always get a kick and a smile when I pop the CD in. I had a CD which had 99 tracks. There were 12 songs on it, but and it was really, wasn't one. Was yeah. <laughs> but it was it was um, I think it was a band. Do you remember a band called Cracker? I think they were called. And they had a hit called Low. It was like in the early 90s. It was a good song, but they Willie released Co- an album. Willie Carson. But they released an album. But they just put loads of they, they put loads of like one second blank. Uh, tracks what? on the disc right. so you'd sit there and the first track would play track one and then your CD player would go two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, nine, twelve possessed. and then the next one and then four, that four, sounds painfully idiotic I think it's, it was just people having fun in the world of the world of there's a fine line between having light hearted fun yeah. and being a hipster wanker yeah and it, it, it's on a knife edge it is women fancy defence. Yeah, exactly. If, if, uh, you, if you don't know what you're going to get, no, you do. don't. You can't, he is unpredictable, isn't it? Yeah. And sometimes I think it's just a mixture of that's caprice me. and just being a bit of a dick. Caprice. <laughs> Didn't she used to be the Wonder Bra model? I don't know. She went out with Tony Adams. She did. She did. Why? Yeah. For why? Yeah. Or he punched her. He just tended to punch oh, everybody, though, didn't he? Anyway. Right, more Easter eggs. This is from uh, Taylor from Orlando in Florida. Cool. 
a worldwide audience yeah. we're getting. Not after this uh, show. Of mind. both the Canada yeah. and the America. Yeah, that's right. My eggs of note. Vigilante 8 was a game with many Easter eggs intentionally building, shooting down a windmill would cause the blades to land on a nearby enemy and that kind of thing. But my favourite easter egg was one that was most likely unintentional. In several levels, but especially in the dam level with the flying saucer, you could approach the invisible wall that surrounded the entire level and if you doggedly pressed against it for several minutes, you would slowly inch your way through an invisible morass from which you would eventually escape into a vast desert with a level seen from the outside as the circular arena that it really was. Mm-hmm. My friends and I would load up on ammo, exit the arena, and battle each other in this barren zone. Vigilante was a great game. Was it, yeah? Uh, that's actually one that I'd quite like a reboot to. It's basically uh, like Destruction Derby or mm. kind of Carmageddon or something, but just good. Destruction, I used to lo- like Destruction Derby. Great game. Yeah, really good fun. Short-lived, but yeah. fun. Yeah, maybe now with all the online nonsense you could have a lot of fun with it. But then again, so Burnout does that kind of thing. Oh, Burnout, wouldn't it be great to have a new Burnout? Yep. Like Something you wrote down earlier on about reboots, and you didn't mention it, was Stunt Car Racer. Yes. That would be terrific. But that's because I thought I was doing way too many Atari ST I guess people, games. You, people almost find that kind of game within something like GTA, yeah. where yeah, they yeah. do just stunts, and that's what... The thing about that game is it was the first time, because it was all on, like, you know, oval circuits, all very yeah. simple things. You had these crazy... Uh, did you ever play it? No. Nope. So, uh, it was almost like being on a roller coaster. It was exactly like being on a roller coaster. Like trials? But the track was only just as wide as your car. Okay. So you had to be, like, you go over the jump and land it, but then you have to be heavy on the brakes to make the yeah. car Right. And stuff uh, okay. Like so, and then you'd veer off and you'd have to be winched back up onto the track. It's yeah. almost a little yeah. bit like a Twitch platform where you've got to get yeah, just yeah, yeah. right. But also, it was one of the first games I ever played that had a uh, link up with two Amigas. So I used to play it uh, with my mate. And so you could nudge the other car off and stuff like that. Nice. Cool. Early days of land gaming. Um, <laughs> Taylor goes on to say, with music, he used to take apart the jewel cases and occasionally he'd find extra images and things like that. Quite a bit more substantial was the booklet hidden inside Radiohead's OK Computer jewel case. Many pages long, filled with odds and ends that must have fallen out of Tom York's head while he was writing the album. Sketches and cryptic writings. Yeah, you often did see a lot of that if you took out the, 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 C- the thing that the CD was on. Yeah. There was stuff behind there. Yeah. Um, Weezer did one, I think, for I think it was really? Pinkerton. You, you took the, the, the case apart and there was like this Hash huge pipe. map that you could unfold and look at. It was really cool. What was the map of? Can't remember, years ago. Oh. There'll be a brief moment while everybody looks around <laughs> to see who's got part number five. Oh, you, you put that right at the bottom of my pile, my perfectly ordered pile. Okay, this is wow well, again from Miami, uh, wow. from Darth Akbar. Probably not his real, real, name. Na- real name. Americans have weird names, yeah. don't they? Yeah. Um, right, he's found two Easter eggs. If you remember, the GameCube's code name was Dolphin, but in Majora's Mask, as soon as you begin the game heading towards the observatory, you'll end up at the foot of a staircase where you'll find several parts. On the ground, when you break one of the parts, you'll see the picture of a dolphin. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two is in the new Amazing Spider-Man movie. At the one... Um, hour 25 minute mark there's a newspaper with an article that says reward for proof and if you read the article it says twitter we're not swearing anymore are we f fancy fantasy or something to that effect i misplaced my blu-ray copy and only have my dvd so it must be the first amazing spider-man movie not the new one which is why i can't give the direct quote it's visible but barely weird so what's that i don't understand why that's an easter egg reward for proof twitter f fantasy 
Is that something to do with when the film was coming out? I don't really know what's with regards to Darth. Explain yeah, let that. us know. Mark. Yeah, Darth. Yeah. Go, go and buy the Blu-ray again. <laughs> yeah, just for this. Uh, Anthony Wilson uh, reaches out from Beyond the Grave. Um, hey? I don't think it's the Anthony Wilson. I think it's AZ. But his real name is Anthony Wilson. He says, the first water egg I found, I think you mean Easter egg, uh, wow. There's <laughs> autocorrect for you yeah, folks. Exactly. I <laughs> uh, was in GTA 3 where I found a wall that you couldn't get over. Eventually I found that if you lined up a van onto the wall, you could hop on a bin, then up onto the van, and then over the wall. Once over the wall, there was a message on the wall, on the wall that said you weren't supposed to be able to get here, you know. And he uh, supplied a screenshot, oh, yeah. which is there. And it does indeed say you're not supposed to get here. Uh, not that great, I know, but... It doesn't end there. Okay. So someone at Rockstar obviously remembered this because years later, uh, the PSP version, Liberty City Stories, he went to the same spot, did the same thing, so hopped on a bin, on a van, over the wall, and there was another sign there that said, hello again. Oh, that's nice. That's, that's a cool. nice little Easter egg, isn't it? I wonder if you can hop back over once you've got over there, though. That's like a long-running Easter egg. But that is probably my favourite water egg. <laughs> nice. Uh, next one is from Byron. Nice burgers. Again, on the subject of Easter eggs, this is one that's really cool, actually. The only one I've ever noticed, and simply because it was in connection to the greatest comedy of all time, in my opinion, Kingpin. Um, during one early episode of True Detective, Woody Harrelson's character returns home to find his partner, Matthew McConaughey, has cut his lawn. To quote Woody, you don't go mowing another man's lawn. He says the exact same line in Kingpin just before punching Randy Quaid's character in the face. Ah. I think that's a really good one because what? True Detective and Kingpin are very, very different. Yeah. Just knock my microphone over. Good catch, it's though. balanced on a knife edge, this thing. One wrong move and it could all go. Dan, you've got the second to last piece of feedback there as well. Um, this is from Jamie Morales Nevarez. Probably said that wrong. Sorry, Jamie. He, he recently purchased seasons one to three of Game of Thrones to watch before I started watching the fourth season on Sky. This got me thinking whether we would ever see an extended version slash director's cut of the TV show, similar to The Lord of the Rings. I think the format of Game of Thrones would be perfect for this. What are your opinions? I couldn't really see it happening. And the reason for that is I think the budgets on TV shows are so much tighter. You shoot than what you are. need. You, yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. don't overshoot anything. And yeah. you, you kind of know... The timing's a lot better than you do with a feature film as well. You yeah. kind of you, feature films, I guess, they're they're made in the edit suite. But mm. I think I think TV shows are probably it's probably a bit more tightly scheduled, yeah. isn't it, and managed. Especially yeah. with Game of Thrones, where you've got multiple productions running simultaneously across the globe. Yeah. Like that's that needs to be a bit more military, I guess. Yeah. Really cool thing the other day. I was actually thinking about it as a feature for IGN, and then I noticed someone else already did it. Was um, so many characters have been recast in Game of Thrones. Not just like the obvious ones, like Dariona Harris, right. who's Khaleesi's like love interest. Yeah. So many of them, because early on you've got all these characters appear, and they're not really going to be important or yeah. major players for like four years. So you don't cast a big actor because you right. can't say, "Can you be free in four years?" Yeah, yeah. So so yeah, many sure. of them have appeared, and you won't recognise it. But um, this feature showed screenshots of really famous characters right. early you know, on. I didn't even notice that. And like someone like the the Mountain, Gregor Clegane's yeah, yeah. Um, brother. Um, the, the Hound's brother, oh, the, ha- the right. huge yeah, yeah, guy, yeah, yeah, huge yeah, yeah, yeah. guy. Yeah. He's been recast like four times now. Is the show? Yeah, really? Yeah, we've not seen his latest incarnation okay. yet. Right. I have not noticed that yeah. at all. Right, I see that in EastEnders all the time, but not in Game of Thrones. <laughs> Yeah, so there you go. This is why I have so much trouble following Game of Thrones, isn't it? Because all the characters keep changing. Who's that? It's Who's hard that? enough in the first place, sure. let alone like changing everyone. Where are they now? <laughs> oh, 
Uh, the last bit of feedback I'm going to throw open to the audience, actually. This is from Benjamin Adams, who loves us lots. He's from Essex, but not Thank the you. orange bit. He says he remembers a while back you were talking about films that got a rough ride when they first came out, but actually aren't that bad. And we apparently mentioned Waterworld, which is something of a guilty pleasure of Benj, I like Benji's. Waterworld. Do you? Yeah. I like when that big fish comes out of the water. I don't think I've ever seen it. He was watching it last night. Well, it was probably a few nights ago now because he, he wrote this a few days back. Yeah. And it occurred to him what a flipping fantastic game world it would make. Imagine the Ubisoft formula applied as a framework with a little fallout thrown in. You start the game, a shipwrecked mutant fish fellow with nothing but a little rowboat, a vast ocean to explore, and a whole host of activities to partake in. With various smoker outposts scattered about round to be liberated, small and large floating cities to explore and trade your materials in. Plus, as a mutant, you have to keep a low profile and can't draw too much attention as you'll have the whole place after you. You can explore underwater cities to find raw materials and things to trade, all to upgrade your boats to an epic vessel until you're king of the seas. There could even be a multiplayer aspect where you can have sea battles or team up to raid the hugest smoker fortresses. So he wants to know what film book or comic world would you like to see made into that kind of sandbox game? I think that's a terrific question. And one which I think we should definitely throw open to the listeners. Also, I do think Waterworld would be great if you used the Assassin's Creed kind of mm. engine but made more of the ocean and less of, obviously, of the cities. Yeah. You know, well, you know, like the Making the Mad Max game. Yeah. yeah, I really like a really good Terminator game set in the future where you're playing John Connor and you've got to like go out onto missions into no man's land, avoid the robots, the Terminators yeah. and Skynet, infiltrate bases. Basically, sometimes you just go out to retrieve so uh, resources to keep your base alive, so humanity alive. Mm, yeah. If you don't, if you fail that mission, you don't get the food. Kind of a bit like Papers Please. The people in the base yeah. die out. You have less people to draw on to go out on bigger missions where you might need to switch between characters, break into Skynet. Sounds this great. is game. This is, sounds I need good. to write treatment on this. Yeah. Quick, do it. Um, Patent pending. Yeah. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? Yeah. Let's throw that open then. Film, book, or comic world. What one of those would you like to see made into a sandbox game? Terrific idea. IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. Uh, yeah, let us know. Can, and we'll obviously read out the best ones and we'll probably point and laugh at the rubbish suggestions. Yeah, but just not read them out. Yeah, not read mean. them out. We're not, we're not nasty. Yeah. But thanks for all your uh, feedback. It really is appreciated. And we do read every single bit of feedback we get, even if we don't mention you on the show. Yep. Okay, time to uh, look at what movies and games are out this week. Chaps, would you like to take care of games? Peggle 2. Begins. Peggle 2. Which has been out on Xbox One for a while, but it's coming to Xbox, Xbox 360. <laughs> Peggle 2 is a great game. It's out wow. on 360. It's coming out on Xbox 360. Okay, good. So now it has access to however many millions of people own it, Xbox 360. They should get that vo- that bloke who does the voice for Peggy18 to do it. Peggle 2. <laughs> is that you? <laughs> Did it sound like it? Well, that that you, obviously sound like why you keep having doctor's appointments. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do Is that Stuart yeah. again? Yeah. Was it what was the advert you did a VO for? Was it uh, like hosepipe or something? Yeah, it was. Um, uh, what was it called? I can never find it when I want it. Power washer. What was it called? Was it called? Hose lock pressure washer from a few years yeah, back. Yeah. I'll embed that in the <laughs> story. Anything else out? Uh, yes. Uh, also, uh, is let me see your list. Thank you. Brilliant. Uh, Titan Attacks is coming out on what's that coming out? All PlayStation platforms. So PS3, Vita, PS4. It's kind of little. It's lit. not Titan Four. No, no. no. It's like a confused. little kind of uh, arcade type game. A little bit of Space Invaders. Don't know much more about it. I haven't played it, but I know it's coming out this week. Yeah. Okay. Uh, God of War. 
uh, finally coming to Vita. About time. So obviously, been on home consoles, been on PSP already, mm-hmm. but now coming on Vita. So if you haven't played God of War, which is I find crazy. If you're a PlayStation fan, you haven't played any of those games, you should definitely check it out. Do you know, is it a new kind of God of War? Is it the... No, no, it's no, a no, collection. It's, it's like a HD remastered oh, cool. bundle yeah. of the yeah. older ones Which for Vita. Fantastic games. Yeah. But I find it incredible that if, if you're a, a Vita owner, you should probably play God of War by now. But maybe not. Well, fond yeah. memories of you playing God of War 3 in the office. Uh, Ascension. Oh, God was. of War Ascension, yes. was it? Yeah. And it's God of War 1 and 2, obviously. It's just the PS2 vert. Got a war games. Yeah. Okay. Um, Bound by Flame, which is the kind of cross-platform release for this week. It's a fantasy RPG. It's on current gen, next gen. Um, I know Luke's played it. I think it's. I think it's nice enough. It's the big thing is everything you do in the game has a consequence. So the yeah. narrative shapes. Fun enough combat, but I don't think it's anything to shout about yeah, just I, yet. I've not seen any more on it though. So yeah. but, okay, but not. A, and we don't have a review up yet either. Movies that are coming coming out this week: uh, Sabotage, which is uh, Arnie Schwarzenegger with a big gun. Oh, it didn't do well stuff. in America, did it? No. Oh, I actually quite fancy seeing it. Do you? I would never have said why. I don't know. Probably because I've seen. It feels like that film has been around for three years, even though it hasn't come out yet. It's only just coming out. But I don't know. He's got a nice haircut in it. Wow, wow. that's a very, very. Is that how you pick that, your that films exactly these days? Compelling nice. reason to choose a movie to go and see. Uh, also, out is uh, Frank, which is kind of loosely but not really based on Frank Sidebottom, but it is based on Frank Sidebottom. It's not. It's, it's it a is, John it's not. Ronson yeah. fevered dream weird movie. Yeah. Now, John Ronson, of course, wrote a lot of uh, of articles about the original Frank Sidebottom, but in the film treatment, uh, Frank's been. Uh, transformed from Timperley over to, I think it's Austin, Texas, where most of the film takes uh, it's place. It's played by Michael Fassbender. Yes. Beneath a papier-mâché head. A huge head. papier-mâché head, and apparently it's a remarkable performance by Is that papier-mâché head being constructed to block out Professor X? Maybe. I see what you did so there. there you go. A bit of a cross-reference. Brilliant. I, I think that's too niche, Frank Sidebottom, and yeah. <laughs> Next goal wins is a documentary about the worst football team in the world, Manchester Quick. United. I don't understand football. (laughs) The problem with Arsenal is they're always trying to walk it in. Good. Good. That's it. Yeah. Uh, uh, I can't remember. It's American Samoa who lost against another team 31 0 or something back in 2000. And it's all about how they're desperately trying to not be the worst uh, team in the world. Or is it just them trying to score goals? Uh, I think surely the best way for them not to be the worst team in the world is just quit. Yeah. But apparently it's a very, it's, it is the best documentary about football you will ever see. And it, really? yeah. And one of their players, they have the only transsexual football player in the world. Really? Yeah. What's, what are other good football documentaries? The, new, the one in New York Cosmos is pretty good. Oh, I tell you a brilliant one, but you cannot if you can, if you if you're lucky enough to get a copy well done, and that's the original. It's goal the 1966 World Cup, which is a, a British Italian co-production, and it's absolutely it's a terrific documentary. It's really good. There you go. Also, um, one night in Turin's pretty good. I About um, England's like yeah, a bit like that. Yeah. Scazza. Just weeping on it. Is that like my night with Gary? Was it my night with Gary? It was what? a play, wasn't What's it? What's your night? Your night <laughs> with Gary? Gary and Barla. also Hayao hi, hi, Miyazaki. Hayao Miyazaki. Uh, his last film, The Wind his, Rises. His farewell, That's a funny title, isn't it? Movie, the Wind Rises, which, which apparently is not like most of his other films. There's there's no like interesting, fun, looks like pretty creatures or anything like that. It's about oh, so a bloke who makes who, who invents a jet fighter. So it's all the misery of it, all his other films and the angst yeah. and just the philosophical 
malaise. Yeah, so it's it's kind of, apparently it's a bit of a downbeat film for him to, for him to end his career on. But good ah. kiddie film there. <laughs> it's animation. Take your kids. I love it. It's two hours of him building a fire jet. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're going to see one film this week. I'd go and see Frank, but then I'm like that. I'd go and see Sabotage <laughs> for Arnie's hair. What would you go and see? <laughs> I'd go and see the football thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the football. Can I have one ticket to the football thing, please? Uh, I hear there's a lady boy in it. <laughs> and if, uh, if you're going to pick a game... see, They're just confusing. If you haven't played God of War, I'd go for the God of War collection. If not, failing that. Peggle, Peggle, two. Peggle, Peggle two. two. What a bombshell that is! Thank you for joining us on this week's IGN UK podcast. Are we going to be back here next week? Probably not. I think so. Let's uh, do, do it. You know I'm, I'm going to make us do it. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> Can we do it all in one stint next time? Yes. Yeah, yeah. We'll be back for the legendary 231st podcast next week. Until then, have a wonderful time, and we'll see you soon. Bye bye. Bye bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.